Hello, uh, my name is Zach, and this is the Zach ThinkShare podcast. Uh, this is uh, this is the very first episode I'm doing with an actual guest. Uh, I brought my dad in for this one. Uh, my dad has been a source of inspiration throughout my life. Uh, a lot of people ask me how did I, um, how did I get out of being a man child? Well, I'm still definitely still one, but like, what was my aha moment? And, you know, I think there's a lot to point to that it's a little hard to point to because, you know, I think my parents put in a lot of the groundwork for who I am today. And there's so much intangible. I can point to books. I can point to moments. But, like, I know that the first you know, 18 years of my life, while I really lived under the roof, it's really hard to say how much they put into me. So I wanted to shed a little bit of light uh, on the upbringing by asking my dad some questions here today. Uh, forgive me if uh, this first uh, guest experience is uh, a little clunky, but Dad, thank you for coming on and taking the time to to share some of our our stories together. Oh, you're welcome. So, Dad, my my first question for you is, you know, when I was growing up with you, a huge part that I I've I'm going to tear up saying this. We're going we're going for it, Dad. Um, <laughs> A huge inspiration uh, that you were for me was you would write into the paper, um, speaking out against the the a lot of like really far kind of alt right people um, that were you know hating on gay marriage and kind of talking ill of of gay people um, in like a political way, like th not typical today's hate speech, but. You know, they were talking about the problems with the potential laws and, you know, you would be writing these, these essays, uh, you'd be checking with mom and like having her reread it. You'd spend so much time on really making sure your words were articulated well. And, um, what I'd love to know, what I'd love to know is what was it that inspired you to write those? What like, um, well, I, I really I have to say it's uh, your mother, my wife. Because uh, from the, I remember even from the first day I met her, she had a gay friend. And uh, over the years, as a, she's, she's always been a protector of kids in her class that were bullied for one reason or another. And of course, oftentimes it was, uh, gay kids were getting picked on, and and she, but she went into even more depth and realized that some of the bullies were gay themselves, and it was a way for them to show that I'm very manly. You know, if I pick on the gay kids, no one will think I'm gay. So she really thought about it through layers uh, that most people aren't even aware of, and uh, you know, I really learned from her. Uh, and and the thing about writing to the paper all sort of started. Do, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, given that background, I felt, you know, I kind of, you know, I didn't really have gay friends myself as much as uh, your mom did, um, but I got it. You know, it's like. And then in 2004, the Massachusetts Supreme Court said it was a court case, and uh, the, the, the state Supreme Court said, hmm, 
uh, it's unfair that gay people aren't allowed to marry who they want. You know, another man, a man with a man, a woman with a woman. And they issued that ruling. And I've always been interested in politics. And when I heard that, I, you know, this was, I, you know, I wasn't really in those kind of conversations, but when it sort of hit the, you know, the general news, I was thinking, hmm. And I thought, um, you know, I didn't know that was on the horizon, but the more I thought about it, the more I said, you know, it kind of makes sense, you know, marry who you want. It's an issue of freedom. It's, you know, like a human right. And uh, so I, you know, noticed some letters were, you know, very anti that. And I said, wait a minute, you know, so that kind of got me going. And, uh, you know, the writing part, you know, as, as you know, I'm a writing tutor at a college. So writing is the activity of writing and writing for a purpose. Uh, it just appealed to me. And, uh, you know, we, we have a local newspaper, the Sun Chronicle. Uh, it serves, you know, several cities. And they print almost all the letters that people submit. Uh, they've not printed very, very few of mine. So, and I always wanted them to be articulate and not, you know, and to sound articulate and, you know, so I felt it was really important to answer all these letters that were, you know, gay bashing and, you know, saying, no, 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 they shouldn't have the right to marry. And if you, if gay people marry, it's just an empty thing. It's like you people don't even know what the gay experience is. Yeah. I, I mean, not that I do, but there are people just like us. And I could imagine that. So, so anyways, I, I never, you know, I've always been interested in politics, you know, do you favor this or that? And I felt this was one thing I felt so solid about that I could just write and just advocate for this in a way that, you know, there, there's so many issues in politics where, you know, you can be on this side and that side and, you know, in the end, it's kind of arbitrary. But this was like a human right that really affected people's lives down, down to their core. So I always felt that it was such, it was a no-brainer to me, uh, unlike in any of the other issues. So I just, I just went with it. So I feel like a lot of people, you know, I think including myself, uh, you know, there's a, there's a period of time when you're thinking about posting stuff uh, on the internet or, you know, you're thinking about writing uh, speaking out on an issue that matters to you. And, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be some sort of, maybe not backlash, but like some resistance somewhere. Did you have to overcome any sort of like, did you find yourself needing to summon some coverage to write some of those? Or was it like that much of a no brainer that you're like, well, these people are out here on this platform talking their BS, like, dude, like it's a no brainer for me to respond to that. Or was there some like putting aside of like, concerned that there could be some negative energy coming your way uh no I, I i didn't feel afraid of it at all uh i feel like you know new england is a part of the world where when it when it comes down to the bottom line uh 
I mean, New Hampshire claims to be a live free or die state, but uh, New Englanders in general are, you know, li are. I would say, if there was a slogan for us, it would be, "It's not bothering you. What, what's the problem with these people doing that?" You know, and gay marriage does not affect anyone else. Mm. Uh, it's it's just, you know, religious. As far as I can tell, it's just religious dogma or people that just don't like it because it's different and it's like, you know, they don't like the idea of, you know, gay relationships and just turn, you know, for whatever reason, it's it's either religious pre prejudice or social prejudice or whatever. And it, it just seemed like a totally rich vein for me to tap into by speaking out and exposing these people for what it, what for what they were saying and and what their motivation was. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. So, so, yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, uh, I never felt like I was I, I had to summon up any courage at all. I I feel like that. I feel like that is a part of how the the environment that I grew up in that like if there is something you just you know you just talk about it there it didn't require courage and I think that's sort of where I've found uh probably some of my voice uh in being able to talk about the things that I do is having having someone to look up to that didn't find themselves needing to re require courage to post it just felt natural um, I wanted to shift directions a little bit here. I think that was, that was one of the, the big ones that, that I think really inspires me about your life and how I think you've maybe like, it, it's so funny about parenting is I think you probably, I think there are a lot of things you banged your head against the wall trying to get me to learn. Um, and I probably learned a lot from those things. And the, some of the things I remember most, like, are probably like, like the fact that that was the first question that really popped up for me that I wanted to share about that I get excited about talking about that you've done that I get emotional about. Like, that's the thing that I remember. And that had nothing to do with your, your parenting of me, really. It was more like that was just a self-expression for you. Um, um, well, I, I don't know. It's just part of who I was and, uh, I, I, I'm not so sure I, agree with you that it wasn't part of your parenting obviously i mean even to this day i i know by the fact that you keep mentioning this you've been mentioning this for the last 10 or 10 years i obviously it did have a profound in, uh, impact on you and i wasn't even really aware that that was happening to you yeah you know uh it's it's funny. I uh, even when gay marriage. So two thousand four, there was that court ruling. It became legal in Massachusetts. You would think, oh, it's legal. I don't have to write about this anymore. Uh, but actually, it, as it turned out, I probably wrote for I can't remember how many years it was until the Supreme Court made uh, same sex marriage uh, a right for the whole country. That was the point at which I stopped because 
because just because Massachusetts had it didn't stop people from complaining about it and fighting it and arguing and advocating against it. Well, one of the main things I did, you know, when I was writing, I always compared gay marriage with like an expansion of our rights in this country. You know, it started with, you know, the newly freed slaves, um, men were allowed to vote and then women were allowed to vote. And then the civil rights movements came and uh, African-Americans got more freedom. So I just saw gay marriage, same-sex marriage, as a continuation of the American march to greater freedoms. Hmm. Dad, I, I think, uh, I, I know this is a, maybe an odd transition, but I think one of the other interesting things that I think similarly, like it wasn't like a direct part of your parenting or like there's probably no part of the agenda like oh we should make sure that this happens so that he is exposed to this but mom was the i think rarely the sole um breadwinner but she was typically the the main or like the higher breadwinner within our house yes yeah, she, she she was the primary breadwinner i would say yeah do you think so sometimes when I think about like what was modeled for me growing up, I think mom mentioned this when I was talking to her about like, what do you think has made me into like how I see the world today? I think that that might have played a significant part in it. I know that a lot of men and, you know, a ton of those, these videos that we see online about like men being alphas, et cetera, is like, it's highly their feeling of masculinity, their feeling of like being a good man in today's society has like a strong correlation with what, how much money they bring home and being like the either sole or main breadwinner. I feel like that didn't phase you. And at the same time, I have no idea because I don't think I've ever really talked to you about it. Has mm -hmm. that been like a part of your ego that you've had to set aside in the society that we live in or has it been something that has just been like kind of what so, and there's never really been any thought about it? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s and, you know, the the tradition of men being the breadwinner, with, you know, that was a, that was a thing that, that was the part of the, uh, the culture. Um, but as things, you know, and when I met, uh, when I met, your mom, Joan, you know, we, we were kind of equal. And then, you know, and, uh, anyways, like I say, she turned out to be the primary breadwinner. So, um, the, the only person that mattered to me, the only, the only person that really mattered was, uh, Joan, you know, and, uh, as long as I contributed any way I could, even if it was, even if it was monetarily less than she, uh, she was okay with it and I was okay with it. So I, I haven't really thought much about it, you know? Mm. I feel like there are a, there are probably loads of men today that if like it, it appalls me sometimes when I see these men that are like, Oh, she has a job. Oh, she earns more than me. Oh man. She's, I, I'm, she's not for me. Like she's, she's going to die alone. Like, it doesn't compute for me how men feel that emasculated or like that 
that like their egos are just so hurt by the possibility that a woman could be making more or the same as them. Yeah. Um, I know yeah, I can, you've, you've probably I, haven't seen as many of those videos as I have, but I I can get that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was able to you know change with the times, um, but it's definitely it's embedded in the culture, and those things aren't so easily overcome. Hmm. So I I understand it and. It, yeah, I, I, I think in a lot of ways, men, I mean, boys and men are trying to figure out what is their role, you know, in society, uh, because, you know, it's sort of uh, opened up for everyone, and women oftentimes earn more than men, so it, it, I think the major thing is, how does your spouse feel about it? <laughs> you know, if the, if the spouse is saying, you know, maybe... There are women out there who are angry that they are earning more than the husband. I, I haven't really seen that, but I'm sure that must exist someplace. You know, it would be a problem in that situation if Joan was like, "What's what's wrong with you?" or what you know, that it was somehow less. But I, I never ever felt that way. For you know, she never gave me that vibe at all. Yeah, I, I think so, that so, is. Uh... That's probably that a huge important. part of the reason that like that's been ingrained in me is there was never there's never any issue. There's no vibe in our house that like, oh, she's earning more than him, therefore he's less of a man or or she's too much of I, too, I think that that was a probably a privilege to grow up inside of in that yeah. like I don't know, I was like inoculated to to seeing that and like that was <laughs> there was zero issue around it. Which kind of brings me to my to another question of another kind of place where you, where we see traditional masculinity, I think, run the way that men think is like don't cry, don't show your your fear, don't show your emotions. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I know that my mom lo she loves talking about the fact that I think it was the first time you guys were either on a date or watched a movie or watched a Wonderful Life that you cried at the end and like that was that was a moment for her that she's like oh wow this guy like you know he's emotionally available like he's he has some vulnerability to it something like that yeah i feel like it it requires a certain type of space to grow up inside of or or an environment or group of people to be around that men have that space to to be that what do you think it was in your upbringing or, or as you were growing up that gave you the ability? Cause I think that's rare. Like hearing about a guy your age when you were in your twenties, so is what the eighties, the nineties, like thirties really. I yeah. was in my thirties. Right. No, I know. But like the 1980s, 1990s, um, like for you to be able to cry in front of a woman uh, is so much different than what it is in right in 2023 or oh, 2024. So what do you think it might've been that like gave you the permission to let those emotions out? Well, I, I don't think I was really, you know, it's funny. This is just a one little clip in our relationship, you know, I mean, there's lots of movies that are supposedly tear jerkers, as they call them, you know. But I, I do have a detached feeling with 
with most movies, but um, this particular movie just got to me. It's just such a an emotional ending, you know, and I, I sort of get swept up away with it every time. Well, I've seen it so many times now. <laughs> I don't know if I still am, but um, yeah, it's just about, I mean, I, I think the major point is here, I'm, I'm not, um, I don't feel any need to, to hide my feelings about, you know, that I have to appear a certain way. I mean, I think as men, we're sort of taught not to cry. Not, you know, no, no one specifically said don't cry, but um, just... Oh, no, just, a lot of people did specifically say don't cry. Like hundreds of thousands of them did. Okay. Maybe well, not anyway, to you, but... Yeah. Well, you know, you just sort of learn that, you know, men are kind of, you know, stoic and steadfast. Uh, but I wasn't overly concerned with having that kind of... Uh, you know, for me, that, that would be inauthentic to sort of, you know, it's like you're pretending to be a certain way. I I say, if you know, if you feel like crying, you know, I, I did, felt no need to rush out of the room. Well, when, I, when we say crying, that sounds like a bit of an exit, you know, yes, it, bring, it brought tears to my eyes. Hmm. So, um I didn't feel like I needed to hide that. So because it was just authentic, I, I didn't really think of it in those terms, but um, I could I just think, I, wanna I, pause. I could just be who I was with, with John. Hmm. I think the reason I'm asking is I think I want to help create that space. I want I want parents out there to be able to create that space for their kids. Uh, when they didn't have that opportunity themselves. And I'm curious. I mean, I think you did just a good job of, of giving me that space. I don't, I don't know what you did necessarily to make me feel permission to show those emotions when, I mean, literally, I remember still in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, like I was labeled a crybaby. Um, I remember there were a handful of times when I was crying and all of my peers would like look and be like appalled by the fact that I was <laughs> crying out loud in front of people. Um, and I just, I kind of let my emotions hang out there for people to, mm. to see. Uh, and I think there was a lot of me that felt pretty judged by it. I think I was very insecure about it. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that it, it might've held me back almost socially um, maybe up until high school when I, you know, I got into student council and that was a huge opportunity for me to find almost like a slightly different breed of, of teenagers to spend time around. But is there anything I, that you can name or point to that gave, that you purposefully gave me the space to let those emotions out? Well, I, but only in the sense that of course, as your I, I mean, as your parents, we would certainly, you know, I, I mean, we didn't try to discourage you from showing your emotions, I don't think, but I, I can't really think of any specific circumstances, but, you know, if, if you felt sad or you were in tears, you know, it's just what was happening. We, we didn't, you know, try to tell you, oh, don't don't you're a boy you don't you know we never did anything like that mm -hmm. you know yeah, like, um i i want to mention something else that it, 
you're probably not that much aware of is that my own father had a very, very hands-off uh, relationship with me in terms of me developing and growing up. I probably talked to you and you were sick of it. <laughs> uh, but my own father never talked to me. Mm. I mean, we talked, but not about, you know, where do you want to go to college or, well, I, I was the first generation to go to college, but it was, it was never, I never really had the kind of guidance that I, and I probably overdid it. I don't know if I overdid it with you or I did it just right, but because I was raised by somebody who grew up in the thirties and forties, you know, so culture was a bit different then or had those never had those conversations with my own father I'm not sure he, he even knew what to tell me <laughs> mm. um and i spent my life you know learning about life i was curious about everything i wanted to you know being in my late teens and early 20s i just wanted to find out everything I could and, you know, and I, I guess I did. And then when you came along, I, I wanted to impart a lot of that to you. So I went from having hardly any discussion with my father about important things. And, you know, I'd have, I kind of have those conversations with my mother, but not even that much. Uh, and then I come to you and it's like, I over, you know, I learned so much. I just wanted to impart everything to you. So I was probably talking to you and guiding you more than you really wanted. But, hmm. you know, I, you probably weren't aware of that sort of sequence that happened when I grew up compared to how you grew up. Another question I wanted to ask is I, you know, so you and I, we did the landmark forum together about a decade ago, a uh, little, yes. little over, um, which I think was a pretty pivotal moment for us and for, for my life. And I remember when you went through it, one of the really hard things. So I remember you were kind of going to that weekend, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it with him. He'll get something out of it. You had done the training back when it was called Est back in the seventies and you know, I did a lot for you back then. And I think you, it occurred to me that you weren't really expecting to get a whole lot of the weekend, but it was more for me. And yeah. I remember at some point you, it kind of popped for you was that you had been resenting mom in, in some ways for it. I think she's a really great talker. She's a really great question asker and like accidental interviewer. Like when my friends would come over, to play video games, she'd end up talking with them for 20 minutes and be like, Hey guys, came to play video games. What's going on here? <laughs> um, and I think in a lot of ways, she almost accidentally, like not in a malicious way, just like in an accidental way, like almost monopolizes conversations. She's, she is super curious about like whoever she's talking with. And I know that that's been almost a challenge for you over the years because you, you have to like work a little harder to like almost keep up with her uh, in terms of like talking with me. And I remember part of what I think was powerful for that weekend for both of us was that 
we recognized a lot of the interpersonal connection I had with mom. You didn't have as much of with me because when she would have those conversations and you'd be like, okay, well, I'm getting kind of pushed out here. Like I can't even get a word in. We started having more intentional conversations between the two of us about like who we were as separate human beings rather than like father, son. Mm -hmm. What do you think it was about? Like, do you remember what it was that like clicked with you that you kind of realized that that was an issue that was going on sort of that, I feel like you weren't even present to a resentment that you had for her, but it was like all of a sudden it got really clear for you. Do you remember what it was that like helped you see that? No, I, I, no, I did feel it. Um, you know, like I just remember, you know, when you were going to school in the evening, you know, we'd all sit down and have supper together. And, uh, I, I always, um, admired, stories about families that discussed politics at the table and uh you know things like that what's happening in the world and uh you know with mom it was all about you know what happened in school today who who you know who are your friends what are they up to and you know i know you know oh so and so's mother i know her you know so it was all personal stuff so uh you know, that was the one thing that I regretted that I, I couldn't push through because I really, you know, I know you, I know that since you've left the house, you become interested in, you know, political issues and the outside world and all that. And uh, un unfortunately, I was, <laughs> I was unable to break through the, uh, the conversations that were on a more personal level. So, yeah, it did happen at the time, and I couldn't break through, much to my chagrin, but uh, it turned out pretty good anyway. So, I, so I, I mean, I think the forum just was, was a place that, I, you know, it, it's a place where you can think about these things that you don't often think about. And maybe how, maybe they're affecting you, maybe they're not. Yeah, so it was for me to go. For me, it was sort of, I, I actually did, it was called the S training back in the 80s. 1983, I took it. So almost, it was 30 years to the year. And then I did the the uh, Landmark Forum, which seemed very, very, very similar. But they, they said it was different. <laughs> I'm not sure in what way, but um, yeah, so... You know, I, it was really great to hear all the same things, but uh, that it was just an opportunity to to talk about things he didn't normally talk about. That that was one of them. I know that it's one of the other, a couple of the other cool things I think that have opened up. Obviously, so I met Alyssa at Landmark uh, in the follow up course, the advanced course, uh, mm -hmm. and then you and me took a couple other things together, uh, and you ended up doing the introduction leaders program that I did as well. When you're going through that, you seem to have found a new, almost, it almost occurs to me as odd, but at the same time I get it, uh, like an interest in dancing almost without music, like just spontaneous dancing. And I know that you're, I, I'm looking forward to the day of that, that you finish your, your memoir book. Uh, was it, dancing in the street 
Um, and uh, I wonder if, what is it that inspires you so much about like wanting to do that? Cause it, I think every time I see you do it, like I, I giggle a little bit, like it feels silly to me, but at the same time, like I know there's like a childlike spirit to the excitement that you have about it. Um, yeah. What is it that like gets you going about that? Um, okay. Just, just a little lead up to that. Um, so when we did, we did that program and, uh, you know, you didn't really, so it was June of that year, uh, 2013, we'd done the forum and you were like, there was something about it that you really liked. I, and I wasn't sure if you were getting it, but you kept signing up for more courses. And I just wanted to, if, if, if you're going to sign up for courses, I wanted to be there too. Cause it was, I felt like as an adult, I was, you know, we were just growing apart and not really having a relationship. So I really, I'm, I'm not sure I really wanted to do all those courses, but, uh, if you were doing them, I, I just joined along and then they had the, you know, the leadership program that they have. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's enough for me. I, I, I done the programs and that, but the leadership program, that, that was a whole different, that was something that was really rigorous. It was, uh, that shit was hard. Yeah. Um, but anyways, at one point I wanted to do it too. I did it and when, and, uh, now from all over the Northeast, we went to New York city and, uh, you know, people got up and talked and shared. And, uh, one, one of the, one of the areas was self-expression. In one of the times that we went to New York City, I don't think I thought of it this way at the time, but now I'm thinking I'm, I'm like I'm back in my twenties trying to trying to explore and find out everything that I was interested in, and one of them was uh, self-expression. And uh, there was this one woman who seemed very self-expressed, and uh, you know during the dinner breaks we'd, we'd break up, and I said, "Hey, uh, do, you know whoever you're having dinner with." Can I join along? Because pe people would go out in groups and, and eat. And uh, and uh, she seemed to be, well, not seemed to be. She was very self-expressed. She was, she was from, I think she was from Quebec. And, and at the end, of, she said, oh, I'll, I'll get you into self-expression. So she had a, she had a recorder with her and turned, you know, it was the end of the weekend. As soon as we broke, she says, okay, she got out her, her, uh, her boom box and, and she started playing it and we started dancing in the, you know, in the room where we just had the seminar for the weekend. And then she said to me, I think this was maybe like the first weekend. And she said, you know, in another few weeks when we meet here again, she said, I'm going to show you the next step. We're going to dance in the street. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I was just, uh, you know, totally taken in by it. I said, oh, it's just, so I was thinking about this the whole time. When we come back, we're going to do dancing in the street. And then the next weekend came 
and I went around, I went into the Quebec group and I was looking for her and I said, oh, she dropped out. <laughs> so I said, well, I mean, I could dance on the street, I guess. I, I guess I don't really need her. She, she was just going to be, and actually it turned out to be a pretty good thing. So I, I went around and, uh, I found people and said, Hey, anyone interested in dancing in the street, you know, and this was a very, this, you know, this was a space where everyone could just be the way they were. And, uh, our mutual friend, Amy Batuski, who is now a seminar leader in her own right. She's doing her own programs. Uh, I had, I had sat beside her and I got how free and expressed she was. And I was, I was just walking around trying to find anyone who would dance in the street with me. And I, so I got there early and lo and behold, she walks through the door and I said, bingo, I know sh she'll say yes. <laughs> she didn't ask any question and she said, sure. And we went out we started dancing in the street. And before I knew it, a few more people were joining in. Uh, so I had somebody take my my phone and take pictures of us while we were doing it. And I was like, I was so proud of myself for just doing it on my own. And it was probably better that way because uh, I, I just would have been, if the other woman had showed up, I just would have followed what she did. But anyways, this, sorry about the long story, but I, you know, I always liked dancing uh, and to do it in the street was, I, I don't know, the, the visual effect of the photo was just great. So, uh, uh, that's why I, <laughs> uh, I just thought it was really cool because who does that? You know, it's always cool when you can find something unique and it's fun and, and uh, you know, nobody else is doing it. True. It, it's not easy to get people to dance in the street with no music. It's, I think I've actually tried to do it before and failed because I was inspired from you and yeah, well, I, I actually bought a little uh, speaker, which, uh, which which feeds from my my iPhone, and which you can get music. I, you know, I I think I may have used that, but anyways, yeah, it's 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 you know, there's some logistical problems <laughs> with the, uh, but I started doing that a few times. I, uh, yeah, I just I really broke out and. I don't think I really got what I was supposed to get, but that was fine. I'm sure they, you know, the organization didn't mind, you know, their attitude is you get what you get. Hmm. So I got dancing in the street. And, uh, the other thing was, uh, I loved all these people from Canada and I, I, I was bemoaning the fact on the last weekend, uh, oh, I'm never going to see you guys again. I said, hey, why don't you uh, come to one of our meetings up in up in uh, Toronto? So it was like a light bulb went off. <laughs> and I, I got my passport renewed. And uh, yeah, I, I organized it. So I took a weekend trip up to uh, up to Toronto. So I felt really proud of myself. I said, wow, you know, for being, I just went up there and I just uh, communicated with people. Was, you know, can anyone lend me a couch to sleep on? And 
and people said yes, and then they, it fell through, and somebody else said yes, that fell through. But I ended up on somebody's couch that I arranged when I arrived, you know, that I, when I arrived up there. So it all worked out. So yeah, the, these were my forays into self-expression that I, I, I really, really sort of uh, neglected this part of my life to be self-expressed and go out and, and do the things that I just wanted to do just because they were fun. What do you think was something that you wish you had pursued in self-expression earlier in your life, either maybe when I was young or before I was born? Sailing. Sailing? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the big things I got now, I went to the I went to this the forum with you because I wanted you to get something out of it. I'm I'm not sure that I got that much out of it, but I kept going to uh, various events that they held, and this might have been a year, year and a half later. Um, somebody said something that just, you know, it's like a shot between the eyes. They said, you know, they said, oh, what, you know, what are the, what are some of your obstacles or what, what, you know, what are the barriers in your life? And somebody said resignation. And it just hit me between the eyes. I said, I am so resigned to having this life that I don't really, I don't really enjoy that much. Mm. And I immediately signed up for sailing lessons. Now I, I I took the lessons and I I really enjoyed it, but and I really considered, you know, am I going to do more sailing? Uh, I don't know. I it, it was just it was so physically it was kind of physically difficult as an older person to be doing this, and uh, you know I I sort of let it go, but I did go out and try it, and uh, I sort of made peace with it that I wasn't going to be sailing much. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was one thing that I, it's not that I, you know, did it and became a sailor, but it was something I had totally forgotten. I pushed out since a teenager, I went to summer camp and we had these little, they were little tiny, they called them sunfish or sailfish. And it was like a surfboard with a sail on it. And I said, wow, this is, I love this, you know? And I said, I, I've got to do this sometime. And I, like, totally, I, it, it just got left at the end of the list every time. I totally forgot about it. So e even though I didn't really get, become a sailor, at least I resolved it for myself. Yeah. Well, Dad, thank you for joining me today. Um, Again, this is my pilot guest episode, if you will. I know is, that you, yeah. This is just like Amy Batuski. She she has a podcast, and she her first guest was her mother. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? I think the people that are close to us that I think we have the most in common with that we can probably speak to almost the easiest. I look forward to. I I hope we can convince mom to come on. Uh, one of these days, I think she'll have a lot to share, but I know she's a little queasy about being on the internet like this. Um, so thank okay. you for diving in with me. Um, I have the feeling that you'll be back again in the not so distant future. Um, okay. 
I know oh, that, that uh, what I'll likely do is I'll, I'll post some of these on Instagram and tag you as a collaborator. I don't know if you'll accept them, uh, but if someone were inspired by your story or, you know, talking about like the letters that you wrote, um, I'll probably invite them to uh, DM you there uh, if you know how to receive DMs on Instagram. I'm not sure I ever had them or if I did, I don't know that I did. So Sorry. I if people need... want to get in touch with you, I'll just tell them to DM me and I can give them your email address or something. Okay. All right. Love well, you very well. I'll, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow, right? Or yes. The next no. week. Yeah. yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. All right. I'll show you some stuff. Bye dad. I love Bye. you. Love you too. And don't, don't exit yet. Okay. Uh, Stop.